Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive. If you've been watching the news and you're seeing all of the things that are occurring around the world, I have to keep reiterating that these are signs uh, of the times. I remember the song years ago, and, and, and it wasn't nothing like it is today, but many years ago, back in the 80s, I believe uh, they wrote this song and sang it often signs of the times are everywhere there's a brand new spirit in the air hallelujah well friend of mine it's even more so now than it was all of those years ago amen listen the coming of the Lord is indeed drawing nigh But until he comes, there is a mighty move of God and a mighty work of the Holy Spirit that is reaching out to the nations of the world to come into the ark, the only place of safety, the ark simply typifying Jesus, hallelujah, in the old covenant. Praise God. And the door is not shut today. The door is wide open. And the call of God is to come and be saved and come and be safe. Glory to God. Well, we're going to talk today about the God of restoration. The God of restoration. Amen. I want to make a statement before we begin to read the scripture. No matter what kind of devastation sin has brought upon us, if we turn to the Lord in true repentance, He will restore. Amen. Everything that sin has cost us and everything that Satan has stolen from us. Amen. That's the work of grace and that's the work of God because of that grace in our life. And that's what Jesus came to accomplish. I want you to look with me at John 10 and verse 10, the Gospel of John 10 and verse 10. It says, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Not only does he say, I'm going to restore what sin has cost people and what Satan has stolen from them, I'm I'm going to do it abundantly. Hallelujah. I love the Amplified of that. It says, to the full, till it overflows. The psalmist David said that, didn't he? In Psalm 23, it said, He restoreth my soul. A couple of verses later, he declares, My cup <laughs> runneth over. Friend of mine, Jesus restored life to the widow's son and to Jairus' daughter and to Lazarus. Jesus restored health to the ten lepers and to the man with the withered hand and to the centurion's servant. To the sick and afflicted out of every quarter, Jesus restored health to them. And Jesus restored purity and peace to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Jesus restored the soul and mind of the demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes. I'm going to state it again. Our God 
is in the restoration business. And it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how the devil has robbed you of all that God really predestined you to have. Amen. God wanted to bless you. He he didn't want to chasten you. He didn't want to judge you. He wanted to bless you. Amen. And he still wants to bless you. That's the glory of grace. And that is the work of forgiveness and and repentance. I'm taken back today at this aversion to hearing the message of of repentance and the, the lack of preaching on repentance because in every circumstance in Scripture where there was true repentance, there was true restoration. Praise God. Let's look at this in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 25 through 27. It said, and I will restore. See, this is after true repentance. And I'll restore unto you the years, the years. Listen, it's not too late. It is never too late. This is supernatural restoration. And I will restore unto you the years that the locust have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. You see, these judgments were sent to chastise and to correct, but when true repentance was offered, God began to restore them. And listen to what he said. This is what he delights in doing. Amen. It says he delights in mercy. Listen to it. Verse 26. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people once again shall never be ashamed from plagues because of sin and rebellion to praise because of true repentance and restoration. God restores according to these verses. This is the core of the message, the most important part of it. God's promise was not only that he would stop the activity of the locust, but that he would repay for the years destroyed by them. This is, this is, this is grace. This is unmerited, undeserved. This is mercy and grace. God says, when you truly repent, I am ready to, to, to not just say good enough for you. Now you're going to pay, continue uh, throughout your life to pay for the consequences of, of your sin and rebellion. He said, if there's true repentance, I'm going to restore unto you the years. You see, the damage included the destruction of, of the seeds themselves, which meant the impact would be at least two years, maybe three, before they could expect to even hope for another crop. And in the meantime, famine. But God pledged to not only provide for the present, but that all losses would be made up for. God is in the restoration business. He takes 
that which is broken and battered and bruised, and he, he makes it beautiful. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Covenant that said he will give you beauty for ashes. <laughs> Amen. How can that be? How can God take that that is completely ruined and devastated and destroyed and make something beautiful? Bill Gaither's song years ago said it well. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, and he made something beautiful out of my life. You see, friend, the result of restoration is so wonderful. There's nothing wrong. I said it before. I said it again. I'm going to say it as long as I have breath. There is nothing wrong with getting right with God. The message of repentance today, amen, is very needed because there are so many sins of commission and omission that have been, 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 came up before the Lord and certainly chastisements are in the land. But these chastisements are not to destroy us, but to correct us and bring us back into that posture before God where he can legitimately bless us. And he said, I'm, I'm going to restore all of those years and all of that devastation. I'm going to give you the former and latter rain in one season. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61, this is Jesus talking, is speaking of Jesus prophetically about what he came to do. And what he would accomplish through what he did at the cross in our behalf. Listen to Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's important. That acceptable year of the Lord goes all the way back to the year of Jubilee. When after seven years of, of, of working out that debt or whatever, they were set free. They were given gifts. Amen. It was a year of jubilation. Praise God. Amen. And the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and then the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified, and they shall build up the old waste places, and shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and desolations of many generations. Praise God. Friend of mine, this is what Jesus opened the book when he was 30 years of age. He walked into the temple. He began to read the prophetic words about his mission and ministry from the Old Testament. And then he declared, this day, these scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. Today, he 
He presented himself as the prophesied one. The thief came to steal. The thief came to kill. The thief came to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And I've come to give it to you more abundantly. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like the Amplified again. Amen. When it, when it simply says, full and running over. Praise God. Amen. You see, restoration is the conclusion of God's epic story. A rescued people living in absolute fullness of what God eternally intended for the creation that He loves. All that was lost has been restored. It's better than any fairy tale (laughs) because this is true. It's better than any fantasy that's ever been written. The future is a new era, a new era of God, and it begins now, it says. Right now, we as Christians are a new creation. The old has passed away, and all things has become new. Praise God. I like the story of Amy Ann. Amy Ann. She said, when I was a child, I went through a lot. I suffered a lot of emotional trauma. By the time I was a teenager, I felt like I'd been a victim, and I did what I thought was fighting back. What I didn't realize then that the things I was doing was only furthering my trauma and eventually would ruin my life. I started to rebel, and she puts in parenthesis, to fight back at the age of 12, And nobody taught me or disciplined me. My mother would yell and scream about what not to do, but there wasn't any teaching going on. I started to drink and smoke. I cursed, lied, stole, and cheated. I attempted suicide, tried to get revenge and ruin lives. I would have done anything to be bad. I thought that was who I was. I hated myself and everyone around me. I also felt like everyone hated me. I had two children by the time I was 18 years old. I loved them so much, but had no idea how to love them and take care of them. I was all alone without any help with my children. I would continue the cycle that I lived in my childhood. This didn't help me to like myself any more than I already did or didn't. I ended up homeless for nearly three years because I didn't get my act together. I tried and tried, but it was just too hard for me to do it on my own. In all actuality, when I look back on it now, It was hard at times to even try. In other words, she's ready to give up on herself and give up on life. Then came Jesus. Didn't I tell you? Didn't the Word of God tell you? Hallelujah. Didn't the Scriptures keep declaring it? (laughs) Then came Jesus. See, this was the turning point in her life when she became a Christian when she came to Christ and he began to do what David talked about. He restoreth 
my soul. Hallelujah. Let's see if her cup runs over. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen. Then came Jesus, the only, the one and only true God. He found me where I was. I like that phrase because a lot of people said, I didn't find God, God found me. See, Jesus is that good shepherd, isn't he? That he leaves the 99, not forsakes or abandons, but he leaves them in the safety uh, of the of the enclosure and goes out and searches for the one that is lost. And he searches, it says, until he finds it. He doesn't give up looking for us. Hallelujah. We may give up on God, but God does not give up on us. Amen. And He hasn't given up on you today. I want to stop here and slow down a minute and go back and read this paragraph. It's so important. Then came Jesus, the one and only true God. He found me where I was and lifted me out of all that I'd been drowning in. I was suffocating. He gave me air. Dying of thirst, and he gave me living water. Starving to death, and he fed me the bread of life. <laughs> I repented and gave, I repented to God for forgiveness of my sins when I realized that they are why he had come to earth, robed in flesh, to die on a cross. Then upon seeing in the Bible that this is the way God has made it to be done, I was baptized in water. <laughs> Amen. And finally, I was filled with His wonderful Spirit. <laughs> when after all this took place, my life changed. Hallelujah. Jesus made me whole. And now I'm full of joy, peace, and love instead of pain, anger, and shame. He promises that to everyone. And I like her plain writing. Yep, she says. <laughs> yep, it's a promise to everyone, even to you. No matter what you have ever done or what has ever been done to you, He loves us all. And that is what drove him to robe himself in flesh, just to have that flesh die on the cross so we can be free. No matter who you are or where you've been, he died for you so that you can be saved. Oh, how we ought to praise him for that love. And then she closes with, you know, this is all true. It really is my life since Jesus has come in and made me clean. I just love it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is in the restoration business. And he can restore your soul and your cup can run over. And he, because of his unlimited power and his wonderful grace and mercy, can and will restore unto you the years that, that, that our own foolishness, our own rebellion, our own folly has allowed the enemy to make an inroad in our life and defraud us of the blessings that God has intended for us. I'm telling you, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come, <laughs> hallelujah, to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. 
Look with me at Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. It said, and Jesus is speaking a parable now, and he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and sent him into his fields to feed the swine. See, he was so hungry, listen to verse 16, that he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swines did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, and when he came to himself, you know, sin will take you. Someone said where you didn't want to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay and then refuse to let you go when you decide and recognize the devastation that it's bringing to your life, to your family, to your loved ones, to those that love you. Oh, but friend of mine, you can have an epiphany, you can have a, a God encounter and you can come to yourself my son is with the Lord now. He's, he beat me to heaven. And he lived, he lived the prodigal son life for a long, long time before he came back to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. He told me as I interceded for him down through the years, he told me, he said, Dad, one day, we were all going back. He played in a rock band and a pop band. And, and one day we're going back to the motel. They were on the road uh, to, to do some drugs and get high. And, 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 and he, he, <laughs> he said, I, I was late getting to the room. He said the air conditioner was tore up. The room was hot. But they were so high when I got there, they didn't notice how hot the room was. And he said it it was like a light bulb came on in my head. It's like a light bulb came on. He said I was used to doing these things, living this life, living this lie. But a light bulb came on in my head and said, you do not belong here. This is not where you belong. And that that was a catalyst for a journey. It had some setbacks, but it was the catalyst for his journey back to God, back to faith, back to restoration through repentance. Amen. And it began when he came to himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when he came to himself, verse 17 He said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, here's repentance. I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, everybody say grace. Everybody shout mercy. 
Does he deserve what he's about to get? No, he does not. He deserved to be hungry. He deserved to be in want. He deserved. He took his inheritance and left his home and disrespected his father and got with a party crowd and parted it all away. Does he deserve what he's about to get? No, he doesn't. Thank God for the grace of God. Amazing grace. (laughs) How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Everybody shout grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Listen, he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him. That meant God was watching and God was waiting, hallelujah, for him to repent so he could restore (laughs) what sin had cost him. And listen, and had compassion and ran. Someone said this is the first time in Scripture throughout the whole Bible where God ran to restore. He ran. This is, he delights in mercy. I'm telling you today, it's not too late. You haven't went too far. God is waiting for your repentance. God is waiting for you to come home. Hallelujah. Come back. Many of you were raised in church. Some of you had a Christian mom and daddy. Some of you were raised atheists. One way or the other, God is waiting for you to come home. Come home, O sinner. Come home. This world is not supposed to be home for any of us. Amen. We're supposed to be just passing through down here. When he saw him a great way off, his father ran and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. And I want you to know the ring that many scholars believe they were talking about here was not just a beautiful ruby or a diamond. No, this was the family signet ring. Signifying that he had been received not just as a servant to live in the, live outside with the servants in their place, but in the home with the father and fully restored authority and heirship that he could he could sign a document and and put the wax on it and seal it with the family signet bring the ring and put it on his hand and put shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry let's celebrate this this sinful one who has come home. For this my son was dead, and now is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Praise God. You see, the the repentance brings restoration, and the, the greatest part of that was not all the material blessings, but the fellowship with his father. Amen. Verse 20 says, The father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And that kiss was the kiss 
of reconciliation. That's why Jesus came into this fallen world to take our place on an old rugged cross so that we might be forgiven and so that the relationship with God, broken by our sins, could be restored. Oh, I love Romans 5, 6 through 10. Let's read it together today. In closing, for for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love to us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. But God's not through just forgiving us. Amen. Keeping us from the judgment to come. Listen to verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, there's the, there's the running over cup again. <laughs> Much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. Praise God. In the amplified, this word justified means acquitted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God. Hallelujah. I heard a pastor tell the story of a compassionate father in a large city in South America who ran an ad in the paper. Not wanting to embarrass his son, it simply read, Paco. By the way, in South America, there's a whole lot of Pacos. Paco, please come home. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. We'll meet you at the railway station Saturday. <laughs> and it was signed, Father. One seeking father showed up according to the report. And so did 50 Pacos. You see, to be reconciled to God means saved from wrath. Both the fact and the fear of judgment are taken away. How precious is God's kiss of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Let's close again with Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, which simply says this today. Seek you the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God. And he will abundantly pardon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Friend of mine, God is in the restoration business. And the first thing he wants to do is restore that broken fellowship. You know, the scripture says in the Old Covenant that God's ears are not heavy that He can't hear. His arms are not weak, short, that they cannot reach us. 
but our sins have separated between us and our God. When Jesus laid himself down on that cross and stretched out his hands and let them nail them to that cross. And he died and shed his blood on that cross. He spanned the great gulf that sin had created between us and God. And he reconciled us to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Today, don't run from the Redeemer. And don't give up and say, I've sinned too much. I've gone too far. It can't be undone. God is a God of restoration. And He said, I will restore unto you the years that the caterpillar, cankerworm, palmer worm, and locust have eaten. I'll give you the former and latter rain in a season. I want to bless you. I want to restore your soul. Come to Jesus. Run to Jesus. And receive the kiss of reconciliation. And be restored. In Jesus name.